This week on the Movies and Stuff show, we're going to talk about Magnificent Seven and a whole bunch of other stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome once again to the Movies and Stuff show. My name is Dan, and joining me this week, three other guys that uh, watched the debate last night, right? Yeah. It was on, the debate was on Thursday, I thought. I don't... I'm still drinking. <laughs> we got uh, my co-host, Abe. Hey, Abe, what's up? Not too bad. What's up? And uh, we got uh, the Wonder Twins, Marty and Jamil. How are you guys doing? I wait for America. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we were talking pre-show about the debate, and uh, the consensus is from Jamil that uh, no matter what, uh, he's fucked, right? No matter yeah, what. it just <laughs> it, at least with least Hillary, Hillary, I got a chance. <laughs> Donald Trump win, we all gonna die, or we all gonna be broke. This is gonna be a third world country if he wins. <laughs> at, at best, a third world country. It'll match our airports. Yeah, apparently. Uh, LAX is a third world airport. I, I, I haven't been there, but I have been to Newark and JFK and have that. I, you know, there's not goats around there. And shit. I've been to LAX. LAX isn't bad. It's been to worse. Can, can I just throw this out? How many people have you had to either unfollow or just defriend outright on Facebook these last throughout this election? Zero, and I'll tell you why. Wow. Because <laughs> I did that years ago. <laughs> Uh, I started seeing the early warning signs. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Done. Gone. Nope. You see, I care about important things like what sports teams you follow or movies you like. Your politics don't mean anything to me. That doesn't really affect your day-to-day life. But a fucking Giants fan. I can't be friends with a Giants fan. <laughs> look, look. You, you say that until they post videos of, of like dead black people and you got a bunch of people trying to explain to you why he, why, why he should have been... Why he should be dead. Well, if he had marijuana, of course he had to die. And you just like, Ugh. that's when the politics matter. But um, I, haven't, I haven't had to unfriend anybody. It's weird to me how many of my friends are probably voting for Trump more than anything else. My black friends that might be voting for Trump or says he has a point. That's, that's scary. That's scary. I don't know. What do you have to lose? Yeah, you live in a hell of <laughs> what do you have to lose? I mean, that's the worst part. Is is, is he's, he's just so insulting about it all. It's like you guys are all living in ghettos, and you you, you just it's so violent, and you walk down the streets, and you're gonna get shot. What do you have to lose? Like that's the worst of it. Is just he's just he's doing it and insulting black people at the same exact time. What type of like? That's some shit you say in a movie that doesn't work in real life. What the? Well, we don't know if it works in real life yet or not, Jamil. Uh, oh gonna, no, he's going to win. Well, I keep telling y'all. Look, he's going to win. Look, y'all not racist. And I know a lot of people are not. But this country is so racist. <laughs> it, it just seeped into us, into our DNA, that he's going to win. And I don't, I don't, I don't care if Hillary win all three debates. I don't care if, if he's falling behind in the polls. He's going to win. Because this country is just that racist. 
Hey, just this, make sure to save this clip because we have Jamil saying that we're not racist. So we, in case we have any, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just pull, I can just pull that out. Yeah, yeah, pull that clip. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's he's going to win, but I think there's a good chance he might win the popular vote and not win. And then he'll say, "See, it's told you it's rigged. This is ridiculous. I win the popular vote and I still don't win." (laughs) Completely forgetting about Al Gore, I'm sure. Yeah. Well. Jamil defended Mel Gibson by saying he's just he's just a little racist. So I mean, he's, he still loves America too. Yes. That's no, you, no. You see, this is the thing. This is the thing. If, if I can watch a Roman Polanski movie and, and he molested a little girl, I think I can still watch a Mel Gibson movie because he said nigga. Like you know, there's there's degrees here. That's all I'm saying. Okay. We need I'm, you, looking, we need, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the chat right now. Uh, Amanda says Trump is uh, insulting his audience like Ghostbusters did. Robert Maley says drink, so this is for you. This is for you. Right from the bottle, Marty. Right from the bottle now. No fancy glasses. I'm just going right from the jug. It's the end of days here. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, we got some other stuff to talk about. I mean, uh, we're, we're not a political show. We, this is our stuff portion, though, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this. But uh, one of the topics I did want to talk about, uh, Marty got to see an early screening of a film called Flock of Dudes. He got free pizza and free beer. The movie comes out this Friday in limited release in theaters and then October 7th on Video On Demand. So, Marty, take it away. What's your little mini review of Flock of Dudes? I'll just clarify one thing. The free pizza was Papa John's and the beer was Bud Light. So let's not not act like I was having a party. Hashtag America. (laughs) All right. We touched a little bit on this uh, the last time I was on the show. Flock of Dudes is a... uh, Tells itself as a coming of age story, I suppose. It tells the story of these four, you know, thirty somethings. They don't really give you an exact age, but it's, you know, thirty something. It's the four guys who never, you know, aren't married, don't have anywhere. They all live together still somehow, and they kind of still act like they're in a frat house. It stars no real stars. I mean, but people you probably have seen plays before. It stars Chris uh, Delia. He was on a couple of sitcoms on NBC. You throw Skylar Austin as his brother in a movie. He was on. He's uh, the kid from Pitch Perfect might know brian greenberg is one of the guys he was on uh, an hbo show i don't know if anyone's seen called how to make it in america i believe and then uh eric andre who's pretty famous right now for his eric andre show and uh Hannibal burris was in it slightly uh they sell it as hillary duffson movie but she just plays the fiance to the brother and she's in it for maybe five minutes so it, it tells us it, it focuses on the, the character of uh adam played by chris delia and it's like, you know, it starts with him trying to figure out his life and, you know, noticing that, you know, all of his other people in his life are now moving on. And he's still doing the same jerk-off stuff with his three friends. And it had a chance to tell a kind of a funny coming-of-age, you know, modern-day almost tale that, but it just kind of falls into the same stereotypical hacky comedy stuff. That they, You know, instead of waking up one day and saying, all right, I get my life together, he has to wake up one day and say... He talks to three friends. They're like, all right, uh, we need a divorce. Which is stupid. So they just. So then the whole movie is they draw up. His brother is a realtor, so he draws up a contract for his three. You know, the four friends to get a divorce, and so it just has these stupid list of rules. Like, all right, if you you can't see each other for six months, and if you do, uh, you know, no more fantasy football, no more shit like that. And it's just it kind of it goes along that kind of story where it's like just these guys trying to find their place. You know, find jobs and be responsible, find apartments, stuff like that. It's, so it's kind of, it's just, tired. it's a little tired. It, 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 when I looked at the trailer, I, mean, I thought maybe it was a more of a raunchy comedy, but it's just, 
it's it's kind of like a TBS sitcom with cursing. It's really nothing outrageous. Some of the women in the movie are pretty funny. Had uh, Hannah Simone plays the kind of new woman, you know, the woman of his dreams, almost kind of you know, but you know, actress. And the girl from one of the girls from what's that CBS show? Uh, Big Bang Theory. Uh, Mer- Melissa Ranch plays a really. She was actually one of the funnier parts. She plays a secretary, and oh, okay. she's kind of, yeah. she's, you know, she kind of plays a little raunchy, but she plays this needy, like she sleeps with one of the guys in the first, you know, at, you know, first few, five minutes of the movie, and then she just plays this clingy girl the rest of the movie, and never really gets out of that character. So it was, it was just, like I said, it's funny. It's, it has its moments, but it's it never raises above a you know B level show, you know movie you'd watch on cable. It's nothing that would run out to see. There's a couple of funny cameos. Mario Lopez actually plays himself and he winds up going out with, you know, the main character's ex-girlfriend. So they have you know, actually some funny, you know, holy shit, your, your girlfriend going out with A.C. Slater type moments. <laughs> Which actually kind of, it happens once and it kind of comes back at the end. It's, it's, and it's pretty funny. Ray Liotta pops up at the end out of nowhere. <laughs> he plays the, uh, the main character's wife's, you know, main character's mother's new boyfriend or something. So it just kind of shows up at the end to throw in some I'm banging your mom type humor, which is, <laughs> which it just looked like, I didn't think he needed money to this level and it couldn't have been much money. So I'm not sure why he was doing this one. And then, uh, Jeffrey Ross is a com- comedian, the, you know, the roast master guy, a uh, bit of a spoiler, but he just kind of randomly shows up in a scene where uh, the main character and his girl are in a park on a date. And they come upon him jerking off in the park. And that's just, and they talked to him for like three minutes as he's jerking off. <laughs> so that was his part of the movie, which was funny, but it's just kind of weird. And it's, it's like, if the comedy stay at that level throughout, I could say, I could say, all right, well, it was just a funny, raunchy comedy. But those were, there was just few and far between moments like that. There was a uh, generic you know, bachelor party scene because the younger brother is getting married to the Hillary Duff character. So, but yeah, you know, he wants to have just a safe, uh, one of the threats he gave them actually, when they were saying, all right, don't get, you know, you guys can't see each other. One of the you know, divorcement uh, stipulations was, if you guys, you know, talk again, we're going to have a his and her bachelor party, which turned out to be just, a, you know, a sad commentation on our, our society. But, uh, like I said, it just kind of, it goes nowhere. It's it's, there's, it's some funny moments, but the, I think the, it focuses too much on this character, on this uh, one main character, Chris, so I think... This movie was filmed, I think, two years ago when he just kind of got on TV, and I thought that they, I'm assuming they thought he might be a bigger star at this point, so they thought this movie could, you know, kind of sell on him. But it's really, it's a bunch of actors you've seen on TV here and there, and it's really doesn't rise above a TV, you know, show kind of local comedy. So I mean, I'm all about you know. So don't rush out to see it. I mean, it's going to be on like <laughs> on, on demand. It's it's it's. I mean. No, don't rush out to see it. Don't if pay to see it. If, 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 if Abe, if Abe yeah. sends a copy to someone, if, if Abe sends a copy to Amanda, I'm sure she'd like the Jeffrey Ross scene. Okay, so exactly. Abe will send a copy to Amanda. Amanda yeah. will watch it. This is what's going on in the comments right now, Marty. Uh, Robert Mayo is asking: Is "Flock of Dudes" the name of this M- uh, you know MAS episode? Uh, <laughs> Amanda says "snooze," and it's being seconded as "flock of snooze." Amanda is telling Jamil, don't forget to blink. (laughs) 
And uh, I agree with IAB in the chat. Sounds like the kind of comedy that they make nowadays, the non-funny kind. Honestly, your describing of this reminds me a lot of Amateur Night, where it's it sh probably should have been raunchier than yeah. it actually was. And but it just I, reminds me of those like stupid movies you see, like those American Pie movies and those kind where it's like these four guys have to make a pact to do something. Where it's like, who the fuck does that? No one like no one's making a pact. No one's. I've had I've had many people in my life who. I didn't want to see anymore. I didn't have to get a divorce from them and do stupid. You know, it's just there was a way to do it where it's like they're not. It wasn't a twenty-something movie. It was a thirty-something movie. So it could have been funny, but still dealt with some kind of more responsible part of life type shit instead of just sorry, we got to stop drinking and going on beer rolls and you know, dressing up on Halloween, get into bar fights. That was more, that's more ten years. I mean, I know it's they're trying to say it's because they're still living in their twenties, but I, it could have been. A, could have been a different take on this kind of. It's, like I said, it tries to be coming of age, but it's also slapstick and it's also kind of stupid shit like that. So it just doesn't really know what it's trying to do. Like I said, if you told me this was a ten episode, nothing uh, series on TBS, it, you know, it would have been just the same. <laughs> Jamil, you gonna go see it? No. <laughs> Not even on Netflix. I feel like we never help the movies that they like to see, and I feel bad about that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, well, you got free pizza and beer. Free, free Domino's and Butter Butt Light. Hey, man. I, but it was, I mean, like I said, thank you to the studio that invited us. Like, I mean, you don't, you didn't mean to, you don't mean to trash these things, but it just, <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't a very enjoyable film. And I, I mean, like I said, it's a movie that they shot two years ago. It's just coming out now, so they can't think they have gold on Amanda wants to know if there's any nipples or sex toys. Um, yes, because there was a stripper scene, and then, like I said, Jeffrey Ross was masturbating. So, so, you, see, so you see his nipples. Very good. I watch me masturbate every night, so I mean it's not that entertaining. I, I mean I'll, I'll be okay. Christ, uh, that's, that's called that's, a segue business, folks. <laughs> <sighs> I don't really, I don't really watch. The laptop's on the chest. Everything's going below the laptop. The NSA is watching you masturbate every night, Abe. They can watch if they have <laughs> if, if they have any advice. I'd like to hear it. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. I was going to segue into a movie that I saw recently. I don't know if I can at this point. What's that? Uh, I took my daughter to go see Storks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, is it as bad as everybody says it is? It's it's terrible. Oh. It is it is awful. Uh, my daughter wanted to leave. She, it was she was she could not. She, nothing was funny in it. By the way, it just it, it was not interesting. Uh, my daughter was just started kind of wandering off and like walking around the theater. Uh, we ended up leaving early, and um, uh, there's a character in it called Pigeon Toady, and it's played by Stephen Kramer Glickman. Probably the most annoying voice, annoying character I've I can remember in recent years. Just so, like, hey bro, what's up? It's Pigeon Toady. Uh, it was I don't even know what the fuck it was. So was he doing like the turtle from Finding Nemo? That's what it sounds like. No, no, no. He, he, was, he was a loser who was trying to talk like a bro. Oh, uh, you know, 
then how, how old is your daughter? She's going to be four. Okay, so you like I have a rule with my son. With me, he he can only see two shitty kid movies a year with me. <laughs> <laughs> At, after that, I get to choose the children movies. Um, true story. <laughs> he want we I took him to the movies. He wanted to go see Ice Age. I was like, <laughs> no, we're going to see Kubo in the two strings because I because I refuse to. You have to do that with your child. And when she wants to really see a shitty movie, make the grandparents take them. I always make the grandparents. I always make the grandparents say, "You take it to the good stuff. You take it to like the the, the good Pixar movies. Don't, 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 because you'll end up hating all children movies if you keep sitting <laughs> through this shit." I'm, t- I'm saying from experience. I don't mean, so so far it hasn't been that bad. Like, I mean, we saw Dory in theaters, but Secret Life of Pets I thought was excellent. I really like Secret Life of Pets, and I can't wait for that to hit on the, you know, DVD or whatever. Because my daughter's obsessed with it. I think it's you know overall. But I said after this one, it's like yeah, we're we're taking a break for a while <laughs> from going to the movies. It seems like they barely promoted this one too. So it, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was really it was just, for kids movies either. I actually I like the premise of it. The whole premise of it is that uh, storks used to deliver babies, and they realize it's more profitable to be delivering like Amazon packages. So they become like the Amazon delivery. Sure. And I, I thought it was an interesting, you know, premise, but it just, it was not funny whatsoever. I think Kelsey Grammer was in and he played the big boss and he's just like yelling and screaming all the time. And it's just like, what the fuck's going on? And like Andy Samberg was playing kind of Andy Samberg, but like a watered down version of Andy Samberg, which, you know, it, just, it, it was, I don't know. Uh, don't see it. My recommendation there. It sounds like a club. It sounds like a Pixar idea. Just wasn't made by Pixar. Yeah, just not. Excuse. It was a war. It was a Warner Brothers uh, uh, movie, and I guess they they do the Lego movies, right? Yeah, they're the ones that yes. do Lego. Uh, I did see the trailer for Batman Lego, which looked really good. I'm interested in seeing that. Lego Batman yeah. looked really good. So that was, that's that was next something. year. That's next year. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, last thing. Last topic I want to cover before we get into. Uh, the Magnificent Seven review is uh, I think we've mentioned on the show before and now Marty's on the show so we'll mention it again. Marty does a great job of raising funds for uh, ALZ and he recently did a walk this past weekend uh, in support of it so uh, Marty you want to talk a couple uh, you know, seconds about this just kind of a, you know, oh, yeah, what you do um, and all that yeah, yeah like um, you know uh, my grandmother, we lost a couple years ago to Alzheimer's. We've been doing walks uh, in the greater New York area for about seven years now. This weekend, we were in Jersey City doing a walk. Some of you guys uh, saw, must probably saw it on Twitter. Got a, some really generous donations raised about $1,700 uh, for the cause. Uh, my family does another walk in Staten Island and raised about three or four grand there. You know, it's just something we do as a family, you know. <laughs> The parts of us that still speak to each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's why some of us in Jersey City, some of us in Island. But uh, like I said, it's a, it's a great uh, cause. You know, if you guys are any, I mean, it affects everybody. Someone, you know, somebody in the family with Alzheimer's. So, uh, you know, alz.org is the website. There's walks all around the country. Uh, if it's affecting you, it's affecting, you know, it's affecting anyone you know. You sign up or donate. They, you know, it's a great organization. I've checked them out myself, you know, just to see what they almost 80% of what they raise goes to treatment and research and stuff like that. And they just run great events and it's always, it's a great 
uh, cause to support, and we've been doing that for seven years, and I'll do it, you know, until <laughs> I can't walk, which won't, you know, could be short than anything. <laughs> and, uh, but like I said, it's, you know, it's a, I, I support it, you know, I pump it up every couple, of, you know, every year during the months that are before and after walks, but, you know, it's an all-year thing that I try to support. I've been wearing this wristband for, you know, close to nine years now. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, like I said, thank you guys who donated. Dan is always great. He always donates. And thanks for letting me use movies and stuff. Twitter to promote it a little bit. And uh, thanks for letting me talk about it. I didn't think you'd do that. So that was cool. Thanks. Yeah, no, awesome. And uh, the link uh, to donate for your personal page, is that still active right now? Yeah, it's still active. It's, you know, it runs for a little while. And like I said, <laughs> anytime you want to go, just say lzu.org. There's always chances to donate and they match you know see your company matches they do stuff like that so we'll uh, we'll put an annotation we'll put a little link uh below so people can click on it and, and go right to your page and uh donate if they can so great uh let's talk about Mag magnificent seven 2016 there it is round table you know i i remember when it was on the debate show this was an extra bonus topic. We talked about this trailer, and I saw the trailer of it, and I was like, "No, nah, this looks like a shit fest. This is this just was not for me. It looked. Uh, I hated the trailer of it. I was not looking forward to seeing this. I was expecting this to be quite terrible. Uh, I remember Abe being kind of enthusiastic about it. So it's kind of ironic that I really, really like this film, and Abe is kind of lukewarm to it. I'm a little lukewarm about this uh, Blazing Saddles remake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a town like Rock Ridge. There's the church meeting, a capitalist villain, a black hero, a huge and absurdly evil army of bad guys, dynamite, and even a mongo. Tell me this is not an unfunny Blazing Saddles remake. I, I laughed at points. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's that's your defense. Is it it's funny? <laughs> no, I No, it, it yeah. <laughs> I didn't make the leap to Blazing Saddles that you made. Yeah, well, Abe, Abe is just on this kick of, like, connecting random fucking movies as remakes. <laughs> I just connected it in, like, five ways. That even makes more sense than Passion of the Christ. You can connect ten different movies that way with a town and a bad guy and whatever the fuck. A town and a bad guy. <laughs> so, I mean, Blazing Saddles is essentially just a funny remake of The Seven Samurai, is what you're saying. I, I guess so, yeah. Because, I mean, the DNA of it all comes from Seven Samurai. Right, right. It's all Star Wars. Just figure that out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I really enjoyed this. I I I, yeah, I had a blast. It was. I thought Denzel owned it. Uh, great performance there. The action stuff was well done. I think uh, Anton Fuqua really paid homage to both the source. Well, maybe even all three of the source materials there, Abe. But I think definitely uh, gave a lot of great nods to the original Magnificent Seven. Uh, did some things visually that you know, called out to Seven Samurai. I didn't get a chance to watch Seven Samurai again before the show. I uh, wanted to try to watch that, but I did watch Magnificent Seven. And if you haven't seen, you know, that Magnificent Seven, is 1960, right? 1960. 1960 straight up, yep. Yeah, yeah. 1960 straight up. Uh, if you haven't seen that, yeah, definitely check it out. That It really is a fun film, and there's just a hell of performances there and uh, some just kind of great dynamics. Uh, I think that's what, you know, definitely makes that more superior than this film, is I felt the dynamics between the characters were stronger in the original, but I don't know. I think the, the performances, the solid performances in this, 
you know, worked really well. And I think this was a very diverse film without hitting you over the head with it. It wasn't like in your face, like, look at us. We got an Asian, a black guy, and a woman. Boom. No, they weren't like that. It, it was just it was organic to the storytelling. I think it worked for the characters, and I think it worked for the story. You forgot Mexican and Native American. Well, that, that as well. It, <laughs> it was, was a very first, it was a first group. Those guys were only there to be the Mexican and the and the Indian, basically. That that was their sole purpose for the most part. <laughs> Even you know, Chris Pratt, um, when Chris Pratt enters the scene at one point, he says, oh, my God, great, we got a Mexican. And that was it. <laughs> well, no, like, uh, go no, no, go ahead, Martin. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, was, I mean, I'm saying it's a lot of things that Dan said. I enjoyed the film. I thought it was fun. The action scenes are great. And I'll just say this one thing. We were talking about, you know, the debates yesterday and how shitty shit is right now. I would not trade living now for any fucking time in the world because it looked like hell to live back then. It's dirt everywhere. You you got you're living in a little town. That any time a guy can just come in with a bunch of guns and take all your shit. You can't do anything about it. So An Asian can throw knives at you. Asians just throwing knives for no reason. And you can learn how to shoot, or someone's gonna just take your wife and take all your stuff. So like I said, I thought it it was really I mean about that. It was a fun movie. I, I don't get as bogged down and you know they shouldn't do remakes as Ape does. Uh, you know, Denzel is great. He's always this. I love Ethan Hawke in this. You don't see him in a lot of things anymore. So when he pops up, you can see how good an actor he still is. Uh, D'Onofrio playing the uh, grizzled old um, you know, character was really fun. He had a weird, you know, he, he takes a little while to get used to it. a weird uh, affect to his voice. Once you get past that, he was really cool. Uh, Chris Pratt is was good. I enjoyed him. He's, at some point, he's going to have to show something else because he's kind of still doing that same... Uh, Star-Lord, uh, Jurassic Park character that he's done now for no films in a row. He's just a cool guy who says the funny quips. I mean, it worked in his movie. He was still good, but like I said, Sony's going to have to show something else. He's like the uh, less annoying Seth Rogen. Yeah. You but know, even so it's like, yeah, You know, it's, it's not Seth Rogen, at least. Yeah, Rogen has tried a few different things, at least. Pratt now, this is like three or four in a row where he's just you know, the same guy. Uh, hey. Yeah, but... No, I'm just saying he, you know, he's still new to his success. Like, well, he's what three years strong. You gotta give him, you gotta give him at least five years until they start to try something new. Cause, like, you know, you can say something about Tom Cruise or Will Smith. It took them a while before they start doing something where they weren't Tom Cruise or Will Smith. I mean, if you look at Cary Grant, Cary Grant was the same character in every movie. No one ever complained. I, I'm fine with him playing this part. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm fine with him playing this part every movie. If it fits the movie, that is. What'd you think of the movie? I thought I really liked it. Then I went home and watched the original right after. So I liked it a little less, which <laughs> is my fault. But I will say this. Uh, Dan, get ready to take a drink. This is what Ghostbusters should have been. Oh. Okay. This is what Ghostbusters should have been. As in, it's, it's a really good remake. And what you can't make up. For originality, not saying the original because we all know it's it's based on the same. But what what you what, what you lack in like a little of originality and character, you make up more with with like a visual style and and just you know just you up the ante a bit in a good way. And I think this is what Ghostbusters should have been. It's a worthy remake. I really liked it. I really liked Denzel. Um, I like Chris Pratt for the most part. 
I'm not for sure. Was he supposed to be coming relief or a drunk or he, second? He, he was all of that. He was all of that. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's really weird. Um, Mr. He was one of three redeemable characters. He had to redeem himself. And and as Amanda points out, this time Chris Pratt was a cowboy, so it's completely different. Very different. From anything he's ever played different. ever. Right. Oh, he was a he was a space cowboy. Guardians. Some people call him the gangster of love, though, Marty. Oh, God. You just had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what they, what they, did, what they, what they did with his character is he, he's kind of a mixture um, of, of the young character from um, from the original Magnificent Seven and the Steve McQueen character, and they kind of put him together as one. Um, I thought he was pretty good. I thought Denzel was pretty good. I don't know what the fuck Vincent D'Onofrio was doing. <laughs> Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke was really good. I wish they would focus a little bit more on him. And the other three minorities, they, they was all right for when they talked. <laughs> the Asian guy was really cool. But yeah, it, it was pretty good. It was a pretty well, just you know, I don't know how this movie didn't get a rated R, but that's a whole nother argument because yeah, they killed true. a lot of people. You know how I didn't get R? <laughs> all the horses were okay. Did you notice that? In all the battle scenes, they made a special notice that none of the all the horses kind of got up and walked away. It was it was a funny thing to notice as the fight scenes were going on. No horses died somehow. There's big explosions. Everyone's getting shot. Every time a horse would get up and just kind of walk away. That's how that's how you keep yourself PG thirteen. What what you guys think of uh, uh, Sarsgard? As as, uh, as the bad guy, he was probably the bright spot of the movie. I, I think he was really yeah. good. I think I, I, I liked him as a villain. Probably even I think he was more of a villain than than the villain from the original Magnificent Seven in many ways. I, well, I he's more of a villainous villain. He's not villain, a more yeah. interesting yeah. villain. He's a yeah. lot. He's a lot. I mean, I like a villain that's going to come up to and hug you, and then <laughs> then steal everything from you. Just because yeah. that that's how the world is. Sorry. <laughs> he, I mean, he was he, the first scene he's in that. I would open the It's it's powerful, but I thought it was just a bit too much. Where he had, he has that whole um, put your hands in the jar scene. It was just a little too comic book villainish for me but it was still it was still i mean it's still power in the way he, he was a cold-blooded villain and great you know character but then he's kind of gone for most of the movie yeah and then when he, he show him again he's just he doesn't seem as powerful anymore he's just kind of you know, a little more sniveling and not as you know tormenting as he was when he first saw him well pratt pratt did take out his gatlin gun spoiler alert <laughs> I, I was marty i was just about to say i think he's the best comic book villain we've seen this summer yeah. Yeah. Better than he was in Green Lantern? Or... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for a summer of overall terrible blockbusters, I think this was redeeming in a way. It wasn't, it wasn't like the best blockbuster we've seen in, in, in years, but I think it helped redeem somewhat the blockbusters of the season because I, they've just been so bad. Movie. I think you could have put this in the summer and it would have still done well. Yeah. But they're no, still, I, I they're still so. scared of the Western, I think. I think yeah, but I mean, it was great action. The two action scenes. I, I don't know if it was great action. There was a lot of action. <sighs> I didn't know if it was, was great action. There were two, I mean, there oh, I thought it was fun. Scenes. It wasn't the dominant force of the movie, though. I mean, that, they have the same kind of tropes that you always see the, you know, the guys coming to town, they have to train the locals, so there's that kind of comedy elements of training guys how to shoot. And then there's the kind of big, almost saving Private Ryan type finale scene with the you know action but there wasn't i don't think it was overblown throughout the whole movie 
No, it wasn't. This was a surprisingly low key movie. Yeah. I would dare say it was almost boring at times. It, took, it needed know, time. It needed time. To, it needed. Oh, it needed to kick it up a notch. Yeah, it, it was took a, so. It took a long time. I like that. I like the quest. Okay, that's fine. But give us some character development then. Give us something interesting instead of just meandering. Give us something a little more. It was like, all right, we got to go get this guy. And then they get there. And it's like, all right, you coming? All right. And then (laughs) just like that happens five times. Yeah. That that took like, it took almost half hour before they get into the movie. You know, get into the the, the you know bulk of the movie, and I, like I like said, I think it did meander a bit at for. And it picks up once that first action scene hits when they get to the town. I thought from there it was great, but I think before that it was a bit like, all right, can we let's get going on this one? I hate to do this. in twenty minutes, so I think you could have cut <laughs> about fifteen minutes out of this movie. I, I hate to say this. I don't think the movie was boring. I think Abe is nuts. But I will agree that like like that, that there's about fifteen because I hate to compare it to the original because like, in the original they get everybody pretty fast, mm-hmm. but it's really exciting here. It's not as exciting, and I don't know what it's missing that the original movie had to make it. Maybe it's just a quicker pace. They're like, yeah, we're gonna split up and we're gonna get these three people. We're gonna come back together. It was just I don't know. Fifteen minutes could have been cut out. Like really. I mean, it makes it seem like Denzel character knows all these guys right from somewhere, but they never, other than a little bit of Ethan Hawke's here, they never explain how he knows anybody. But well, as, soon as, he, as soon as they drop his name, people. he, he like, bounty right. hunts. He, he finds people. Um, uh, Amanda does want to know where Lester is because this debate is getting out of hand. I'm sorry that I yelled over you, Abe. No, 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 that's, not, that's not to me. Uh, <laughs> Pony Boy was not a fan of this movie, so I think he's in Abe's camp. He said that. Uh, D'Onofrio's voice was the best part of this waste of time. It was a definitely interesting take on like a crazy 49er, I guess. I, I couldn't, I don't know how you can call this movie a waste of time. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not an Oscar movie. It's not a, you know, piece of art, but it's a, it's a fun time in the theater. No, I agree. And I'm afraid I might be coming off too down. I'm saying the movie is solidly, solidly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's too many yeah. good actors in the movie for it to not. Right, right. But I, I, I was surprised how it really didn't kick it up to that next level. I thought even the shots were kind of just blase too. I thought there was no real visual panache here. I didn't think there was any really interesting stunts except for that one time when Denzel gets crazy on his horse. I thought that would have been cool. I thought that would have been cool to, you know, if you're not going to go CGI, which they didn't seem like they did a whole lot of kick it up a notch, give us some cool stunts or something. Otherwise there's no reason to uh, even make it. I, I like it less on the more real, it's got more realistic shootout feel, at least in the beginning. And you know, that's how it was. But it would be like, stupid if it was all, I don't, I mean, we have, un, we have unforgiven. Let, let, let's let this go a little bit into pulpy territory and give us some interesting stunts. A pulpy. I mean, they, they had a fucking Gatling gun. Oh yeah. With, an, I mean, with a range and accuracy that's, it's, it's quite shocking to believe, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just want to say just but from I, a plot standpoint, pulpy though. I mean, that, that's the question. I mean, that is the essence of fucking pulp right well, there. As Marty said, it was grounded in realism up until that point. And then they kind of got a little pulpy here, but go the full nine. Like I said, give us something interesting that we haven't seen before. Cowboys riding in a line, the camera pans across them. I mean, this was a very surprisingly vanilla shot film. I, I mean, these shots were straight out of other Westerns. Not a whole lot interesting here in that regard. But stuff, but stuff that you're criticizing for is the stuff that Tarantino gets praised for. Oh no, Tarantino understands shots 
uh, a lot I'm better than saying, Fuqua. Though, but it, I'm just saying, though, the stuff that you're criticizing, though, is the, the same exact stuff that Tarantino gets praised for. It's just ripping off of every other Western movie that he's seen. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, it it's presented in a visually interesting style. Tarantino understands how he impacts his audience much more than Fuqua. I think it would have helped another talking about how we didn't get a lot of backstory. We find a little spoiler. If you guys don't want to listen to this part, the final scene where Denzel kills, uh, you know, Sarsgaard's character. Mm -hmm. That's the first time we find out his motivation really where, you know, he says, you know, your man raped my mother, killed my sister, burned everything out. It's like, and by the time you actually, that, that point resonates with you, it's over already. So it's, I think if you would kind of flash back to that a little bit during the movie and even had you could have Ethan Hawke kind of alludes to some things with when he talks to him about the past and things that he's, you know, he's fighting for. I think if you had known a little bit more about that and, you know, knew Denzel's motivation more, because, you know, he doesn't really, the first time he hears the, the you know, the guy's name, I mean, he doesn't have a visceral reaction. He's like, he's more of a, oh, okay, kind of a, and then it's just kind of, well, we have to go do this for these people. It's more of a, we have to do this for these people. It, it doesn't really kick into the end that he had this personal vendetta to, you know, avenge. And, it, you know, by the time we figure that out, it's kind of over. It's like, you know, I think that scene would have been more powerful if we knew that stuff going in. I don't know. I, I uh, We'll get to the comments real quick. Uh, Amanda's uh, agreeing with Abe. She actually gave you a plus one. She says, there's little interesting depth of field stuff at the beginning, but it never went anywhere. I kept hoping it would look better. So she agrees with Abe, it seems. Uh, I, I think that was, an, again... <laughs> to argue with Abe, I, I think that was a nice pulpy element to it that wasn't straight up just, you know, straight storytelling of, you know, this is just them doing the right thing. There is a hidden motivation behind uh, Denzel's character. It's not just about doing the right thing. Oh, you're absolutely right on that. I agree with that. That is that is the core of pulpy that everybody has these connections like, oh, he's really my brother. This guy murdered my mom. You know, right. You're right yeah. on. You're right on with that. Um. I, I can I absolutely agree with A. When I think of westerns, especially if you watch the original, like any like western from the sixties, is it, it feels like a very large movie. And I see this on a very large screen, but the movie itself, the way it's shot, feels really small. It, I don't feel like they shot it right, like like the open vistas, the way I want a western to be shot. Another thing is I have a problem with the Gatling gun within that story, because why don't you just open with that? Cause that makes a lot more sense. Oh no, absolutely. When I saw it on like, the trailer, like, it's, it's such a weird do. It's such a weird. It's my kingdom for the bad guy's side. Like, well, let's just get all our men are dead. Let's bring out this Gatling gun. This would have helped. Hey, twenty it's, minutes it's ago. The same as Braveheart, but it's the same as in Braveheart, where you know the king. Yeah, yeah, and then the, the and then it's like shoot yeah, the arrows. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, so right. are we going to hit our own men? I mean, it's a, it's the same kind of philosophy there. I, I don't know about that comment. What you know, in, in regards, to some of my favorite westerns, like I'm thinking, uh, my favorite, uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Searchers, High Noon, right? Those probably you know my three, my top three. So we're turning this into a top five episode now. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, those are slow going. They're building. They're not like this, you know, nonstop kind of, you know, action-y. It's, it's, it's not the action stuff that you remember from those movies the most. And they have great action sequences and they have great buildups to things. But to me, it's it's the development, and that's what I kind of I, I liked about this. And I know you guys are kind of down on it, saying that it dragged a bit. But 
I don't know. I think to me, it made the the fighting sequences uh, matter more to me because there was what I felt to be uh, a build up to it. Oh, definitely. I mean, the fighting scenes, you feel, you know, there's something you definitely know there's something to fight for. And I even tweeted out that movie stuff show on Twitter that I the action scenes in this movie far better than anything you see in a Marvel Civil War type. You know, everyone loves that airport scene, but that's a, a scrimmage of a you know action scene where there's no, you know, there's nothing on the line. This movie, there are states involved, at least, and you know what the stakes are and that you feel that, you know. In some of the, you know, when you see people dying and you see... Yeah, plus you, you know that people are going to die. Yeah. Like, you know, you know this is, there are stakes where, you know, uh, you know that not all seven of these guys are going to make it out of there. You don't know which I don't know, one. I, I was worried. I was worried for a minute. I, I really thought for a minute that nobody was going to die because it took a long time for people to die. I was like, are they going to fuck us and, like, all seven of them, maybe six... Was gonna survive because like that's how I seen it. Then like in the last ten minutes, everybody dies. But it <laughs> took a long time. Like nobody died yet. Like why is Vincent D'Onofrio still alive? I was really hoping he would die. I was really rooting for him to die. That's but <laughs> but let, let's go a little spoiler here. Who do you think had the best death? Because they were shot kind of dramatically and over the top to give them each kind of. This, Who do you think had the best? The best Vincent D'Onofrio. I kind of liked his. Yeah. I I like the he just. He accepted it. He looked at the sky and just sat there and died. I think he had the best. I did. Uh, I did wonder in that scene right there. I did wonder if Vincent D'Onofrio was going to kill that guy or not. Um, and I thought, wow, would they actually pull this off? Would they actually let a white guy kill an, an Indian? I mean, I just, I was really wondering if that would happen. That was a little too obvious too, though, when they have you know, the bad Indians. Yeah, right. Coming in, and you just—he's stalking the the female lead in the movie yeah you just knew at some point just like uh, you know out of a almost out of wrestling somehow the, the other guy was gonna the good indian was gonna pop up somehow right out of nowhere it's like snake eyes and uh the the, the bad ninja they had, yeah there you go it's exactly like that yes <laughs> i was like engine fight then, <laughs> then it was disappointing like it lasted all of two minutes i'm like oh come on yeah that was like, a quick could, uh <laughs> shame that's whatever moment I'm gonna tell you I, I, had the worst death. I'm gonna tell you had the worst death. Chris Pratt. Pratt. Had yeah, this. I was gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was because because his plans makes no sense. Not his plan zero. depends on a lot of luck, uh -huh. like a whole lot of luck. I I like this part though, where the guy lights a cigarette for him, and it's kind of that moment of respect between the you know two combatants. How? But how does he know he was going to do that? Like his plan hinges on that. They could they could just shot him with the Gatling gun as he was riding up. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was very forgiving of them. Yes, to let him get that close. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked how Ethan Hunt and uh, his, you know, his Ethan Hawke. Uh, Ethan Hawke. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, they, we didn't mention the guy's name, uh, Young Hun Lee. Yeah. But he does his kind of more than it, it. It almost seemed like a manservant kind of role, but it was more of that. It really you could tell. It was a uh, it was Green Hornet and uh, yeah. Kato. Yeah. But they were you could see there was a closeness between the third movie. So those kind of, when they they kind of went out in the blaze of glory style which, up on the uh, the church church tower or whatever. Yeah. I like I like that yeah. one too. That was my favorite as well. IAB is saying we need a western with ninjas. Would it star Matt Damon as the ninja? <laughs> no, it'll star Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Cruise also as. A Western ninja. This is the last samurai. He's, he's right. you know? Can I can I tell you all real quick the Byung Hun Lee, uh, the Billy Rocks character. Yeah. He was in a remake called The Good, the Bad, the Weird. It's an interpretation of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Everyone should see it. It's on Netflix. Everyone should see it. Hands down, 
You have to see this movie. Which one does he play? He plays the bad. The bad, okay. Yeah, well, it, that makes sense. That in makes the good, sense. the bad, the weird. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's a a, a uh, remake of a classic western done very interestingly. Yeah. That brings up uh, an interesting thing uh, because uh, Good, Bad, the Ugly has, has one of the most memorable themes that I can remember. What did you think of the score of this film? I actually Terrible. found it kind of distracting. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I, f- I found the score kind of distracting because I think back to the original Magnificent Seven and how iconic the best that is. Ever. As well, <laughs> that was the bummer. They played at the end credits. I was like, this is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm going to tell you something. That's the way it is. The reason the bringing everybody together scene works in the in the original Magnificent Seven is that theme. If you had that theme playing as they was gathering the people, I might it did, might not feel like it would drag this right. much. Now, now I did read that Horner died while yeah, he was putting it together. Yeah, right uh, yeah, yep. He yep. died in the middle and said, "There's something someone in," kind of mimic the rest of it. So that might have been an issue. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be. Now you yeah. can you, you could tell that there's something off with it. It, it was it was a distraction to me. Like as much as I I enjoyed it, when the th- yeah. I guess it was the Denzel theme, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever Denzel was doing something and his the theme two, came uh, up. The two guys, James Horner, first started it, and then Simon Franklin had to come in. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, I remember when Horner. Uh, yeah, Horner died in June. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they June, died June fifteenth. So I'm not sure when they wrapped this thing. Well, he was just in the beginning of working on it, putting some music together. I'm sure he had a long way to go. You know, speaking of distractions, Haley Bennett, was she purposefully trying to look like the poor man's Jennifer Lawrence? I, I, she was, she was good, I thought, but she kind of, it was weird. You didn't know if she was going to be romantic interest to anybody at any point. Even it was weird, like her, you know, of course her husband dies in the first scene. Right. And then kind of like, you see Pratt. You didn't know if he was flirting with her the whole time, and then there was a few other guys that flirt with her just because I guess that's what you did back in those days. <laughs> but then, yeah, nothing really happened with that. But she, you know, she—I thought she was good. She kind of took charge, and you know, she showed she could fight too. And she took charge for the town. She had the great side, uh, great line about um, someone had to do it with balls or something, something like that. Someone had to have the balls to fight these people, which was kind of was a fun little line. Now, Ape, did you? Did, were you? upset with the callbacks to the original movie like the whole like oh, falling no. through the floors and hit you know or did you appreciate that no i mean I, I appreciate that for what it was um it was really more i don't want to come across negative um i just thought they should have you know cranked it up that's all i don't i have no problem with the callbacks although i, I did find it interesting how different the intro for the uh denzel character was from the yule brenner character they really, uh, Jamil was the one who pointed out to me how as soon as Yul Brenner walks on screen, you're like, holy cow. Yeah, that is amazing. Like that. And I, when I was watching, I was watching it the other night and I'm, te- I'm texting with you. It's like, I've never rode shotgun in a hearse before is probably one of the most <laughs> badass ones <laughs> yes. for Western Ever. Why, why, why yeah. take why taking the bullet, listening to it, make sure it was good before he puts into yes. before he puts into the gun and clips it like. <laughs> and I'm sad to admit that was when the first time you know, like when I saw that it was the first time I realized like what riding shotgun meant. <laughs> oh, literally riding shotgun. I see. Yeah. You know, um, there's some social commentary in this movie. I I don't know if anybody picked up on it. But as soon as the black man comes in town, everybody gets scared. Yes. Then he kills a room full of people. He comes up with his hands up like, hey. Yep. 
Don't kill me, white people. Please. Yeah, right. Somebody was. Excuse somebody, me while I whip this out, eh? Yeah, right. Yeah, somebody was yelling, the sheriff is near. That's what somebody was doing, I swear. <laughs> Did anyone pick up on a line? I, I left. Uh, I don't know if you left a lot. When they're, they're, they're kind of doing the plan before the big fight. And uh, Pratt goes to Denzel, what happens if you die? And he turns and says, well, avenge me. What was the story about falling in each story? You say, so far, so good. Was that it? So far, so good. Yeah. 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 That, that I, like, I like that callback. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's from the original. Look, I'll say this. As opposed to Ghostbusters. Oh. I'm out of, out of here. <laughs> I got you covered. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Jamil, when you said that uh, this shit movie should be more like Ghostbusters and more like this, I was hoping you were going to say more people should have been shot in Ghostbusters. Oh. <laughs> 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 no, well, I say, uh, unlike those callbacks and a lot of remakes, these callbacks don't call attention to themselves because it works within the movie as opposed to a lot of these remakes where they just call. Callbacks for callback sakes. Or Dan Aykroyd just shows up for no yeah, reason. Right. <laughs> yeah, about I ain't afraid of no ghost. Yeah, exactly. Like shit like that. Like stay poor of marshmallow man. Like, what does that mean to anybody? This doesn't even goes with the story. All the callbacks, all the little lies, because there's a lot. There's a lot more than I think you guys realize, which fits within the movie. They did a really good job of fitting it within the movie. Well, obviously, it doesn't stick with out that, like you said, yeah. With that being said, I, th- I think the ending of this movie is terrible. But <laughs> that, that horrible that that horrible CGI shot? You mean like this looks like a yes, PlayStation yes. PlayStation they, Two game? They were they were magnificent. Like like oh. always know that, that, that these seven people that we that the magnificent seven wasn't these guys. That was like remember the Titans kind of ending. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's like what, what any time they say the the you know the name of the film in the film you're supposed to like you know shout or something like that and it's, it's, that was the thing. it's like ah magnificent ah! yeah. yeah I didn't need that one <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I actually did that in the movie did I forget, did, that. I forget yeah, did he take the money did he take the money oh did they take the gold yeah. I thought they just, you know, because they offered them every, like, remember the whole thing is like, oh, they offered us everything they have. And yeah, well, satchel or something. I forgot if he took the satchel at the end. I don't think so. No, I don't think they made a point of that. I think, but again, that's a call back to the original, uh, the original uh, film where you know uh, it's like where he says, uh, "It's like I've never been offered everything." Yeah. You know? um, and in the original, it's great too because he's convincing these people for like six weeks worth of work for like twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Well, you know uh, that. Uh, well, there's this weird middle. There's this weird um, text within the original movie, and and it's never really said loud. But in the original se- uh, Magnificent Seven, it's almost like they took the job because gunslingers were dying out, which I think is really deep. Like like this movie mm-hmm. doesn't have that. I wish it kind of did. Because the reason Very everybody took the twenty bucks is because there's no need for them. And the younger character in that movie, like, oh, I can't wait to be that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Steve McQueen was like, yeah, no wife, no kids, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, and, you were just taking it for the fun of it almost more than anything. Yeah, in exactly. A, in, exactly. In, a way, in a way, in the original, they were doing it for the quote-unquote fun of it, but it was more yeah. along the lines of this is a lifestyle that's, that's no longer there. The guy could be a grocer 
or he could go on this one big last kind of adventure. And, you know, they even say, like, the, Me the Mexicans in the movie are like, it's like, you can make good money as a grocer. That makes sense. We understand if you want to be a grocer. And, you know, he opts not to because it, it is. It's a dying breed of what they were doing. Jamil, do you have a Charles cat or something? I just, saw, I just saw a cat walk behind you. I hope you have a cat. Because if not, there's yes. a dangerous yes. animal stuck. I have a cat. <laughs> the Charles Brunson character was chopping wood for food. Like, like, like yeah. that's how... Yeah, Talking about how much money too. that was a badass scene. Yeah, there's none of that. <laughs> Talking about how much money he used to make. Like, they paid me eight hundred for this. They paid me six hundred. Twenty dollars is a lot right now. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I kind of wish that was in the movie. Just like yeah, we're dying out. Like this is all we have. But you know, like I said, I'm fine. I think the movie. I, I think the movie is really is good. I think it meanders a little bit in the first half. But overall, I, I think it's a pretty good remake. And now, you, you had made the point, though, is, and I agree with you, is when Denzel first walks into the town, there's this reaction. It's like, oh, here's a black guy that's yeah. walking into town. But in, in many ways, he, he was, for the time, very well respected. Despite that, I mean, people, you know, especially the other, of the set, you know, the other six or whatever. Yeah, even when he, whenever he does his spiel about, I'm a licensed, whatever, 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 people always, you know, back off and, you know, it was never a... You know, you don't belong here, you know, type of racism or anything like that. You know, and are, like, tales of that throughout, you know, throughout history of, of the random, you know, uh, you know, freed slave or, you know, someone who made some and became, like, the hero of that, uh, of, of a town like that. I mean, there are, you know, those types of folk tales and there are types of historical, you know, tellings of that. And I, I think that kind of taps into that. And I, I think, especially now we kind of need something like that to, to kind of like uplift us a bit. I'm sorry. It's just like, we need something to kind of like latch onto to say, it's like, maybe there's some hope they did it back in the 1800s. So, you know, maybe, there's maybe we hope. can do it now. Go ahead. Did you notice the weird morality? Because, you know, he's best friend with Ethan Hawke, but Ethan Hawke was a Confederate soldier. So, like, and then the Vince D'Onofrio character, Used to kill Indians and scalp them for a living, yeah, and, then, and it's just, and it was just in passing. Like, Chris, like, well, yeah, and Chris Pratt asked when he asked everybody, you know, if they'd fought before. He asked if had anyone fought in the War of Northern Aggression. Oh, Northern Aggression. Yeah, <laughs> I was surprised they let that slip. I, I laughed. No, yeah, I did too. But you know, BuzzFeed top center, top and you know, uh, front and center, I should say, on BuzzFeed. Diversity is just for show in the Magnificent Seven. They're ripping it a new I, one. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, uh, Max Landis made the same kind of comments on Twitter. Who, did, who did? Max Landis, the uh, the guy is full of joy. Oh yeah, Max Landis. Max Landis, everybody's <laughs> favorite. But he just kind of that the Indian, the two Indian guys are just there to be Indians, and the Spanish guys are there to be Spanish. Which I mean, there was parts of that true, but then you know, Young Hung. Young Hong's character, I thought, had a pretty good role. So that, it just it just goes to show you, you that you will never make that subset of the uh, of the the left leaning people happy ever. They'll like, never be okay, happy. But it, look, okay, look, look. It's serving seven characters. All seven characters are not going to get service equally, right? Yeah, right. They, 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 okay. On top of that, if, if it was all white people, there would be a problem with that. It's not. Look, this is why I look for as as a black person. This is why I look for. Is they had me in the movie if it just don't marginalize me and like 
don't stereotype me. Don't mar- and I don't feel like there was nobody in this movie. Black or white was either mar- marginalized or stereotyped. Like um, I remember people complaining about Suicide Squad for a minute about the um, what's the what's the Michigan game member name? Um, oh yeah, Diablo. Yeah. Diablo. Diablo, right? It's a like 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 he just a stereotype. Like no, he's not. Like there are Michigan game members with tattoos. Like they, he would have been a stereotype if they would gave him the funny like Cheech Marin voice. Like, you know, having these characters don't necessarily mean they're racist just by having them because these characters do exist. And just by having these characters, it's hard to what I'm trying to explain, but like, no, it's not. It, what what do they want? Did, did they want Denzel and did they want the Indian guys, the main characters? Like, Chris Pratt is a fucking movie star. Like, I... And I thought, I thought it was good how they all just kind of, you know, shot the shit with each other. It wasn't like they were very you know, not PC with each other, which well, people are when they're just hanging out. Well, know? that's what Dan said. It was effortless in the way they yeah. just introduced their diversity. It just Absolutely. felt natural. Like D'Onofrio's characters I've... until they realized the Indian can speak English. And he gets, yeah. he gets upset. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really. Uh, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying they did so effortlessly that I didn't even notice that three minority characters are the ones that survive at the end. Like yeah. it didn't hit me till I was like, oh wow, the none of the white people survived. None yeah. of the white main characters survived. I, I like it because they did it so effortlessly that you didn't think of them as like the Mexican one, the Indian one, the black one. Just seven guys. I don't, yeah. I don't understand what these people want. I just don't. Amanda, even like they had the Indian rain bad. dancing. <laughs> so I was gonna say, Amanda's saying just because it could be better doesn't mean it couldn't be worse. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Amanda's really a positive person. <laughs> but what's better? Like, 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 what's better? Like, like, that's the thing. What would have been better? Like, 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 like again, you say, oh, it, it, not not Amanda, but just these people in general. Like, like, what what could have been better? Oh well, these people on like Bud- the A BuzzFeed writer most obviously probably writes slash fic too. So it was probably, you know, an affair between Denzel and Chris Pratt would have made them happy. And we find out that Chris Pratt was transgender. Right. That, 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 but, that yeah. I mean, they really want to just be like their slash fic. It's been an all. issue because he's cisgender playing a transgender. Oh. So that would have been a problem. Look, I, look I'm not getting into that. I am not getting hate mail. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, what, what would us, have been the best? Like, like, yeah. <laughs> Marty handles all the hate mail. <laughs> And he likes it. I just understand. Say it could have been like what? What would have been better? Like I don't understand. Like they played the Indian as a stereotypical Indian for the most part, besides being like of what his people does. Like that's another thing I'm realizing too about these type of people. They like if, if you show like a race doing what they do, uh, that that's racist within itself. Like if you show an African with a spear, all of a sudden that's somehow racist. Like no, some African carry spears in like like in, in their tribes. And they That's throw, not they, the racist part. And they throw them like, at like Ace Ventura. Yeah. Indians wore <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, like Indians wore war paint and shot bows and arrows. Like that's not racist. That's not. Now if he had like broken English, <laughs> that would have been racist. But him having war paint, a mohawk. Look, my, my 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 wife is partly like Native American, so I know this. Having war paint and a bow and arrow don't make you racist. The guy was Mexican. He didn't have like no 
like 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 what you would think of a stereotypical Mexican. He was just Mexican, <laughs> and that's what all it was to it. Right. Denzel Washington, he was black, but he was just a guy. I, the Asian guy, he was good with not. Oh, that might, might be a little racist, but maybe not. Like he was an Asian guy. There was nothing. It's not like he was besides him being Asian. There was nothing people. about. No, he wasn't using a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, he did use a chat. He he did, he did use that one chopstick. The hairpin. Like, it was a hairpin. It was a hairpin. Okay. It, still, it, it was a callback to the original film. They, uh, they, there was a character was, exactly. also yeah. Yeah, special with guys. Uh, right. Did anyone else have a problem with how white everyone's teeth were? Yeah, that's just you, know, you just have to. I mean, yeah. you just have to go with that. that I mean, go go, go back. And, yeah, come on. Go back and look at Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. They all have perfect teeth. Uh, the, the three main characters. I mean, yeah, it's just you just go with it. <laughs> and, was, you know, that always annoys me. Oh yeah. <laughs> CGI it. Just make them yellow. Come on. Yeah, just do something. I don't Black know. out one of the Don't brush your teeth for two months. We're doing this movie. Mmm. Oh, <laughs> mmm. No, no. Don't shower. I think Lewis wouldn't brush your teeth. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he wouldn't shower either. Abe, <laughs> Abe is going to make me quit the internet for like two weeks. Oh, we're going to get into it. I, I'm going to use everything you said tomorrow tomorrow on the Jack Random Show to talk about Jimmy Smits in uh, The Get Down. I, I love that character, by the way. That was a, that was a great plug. Uh, yeah. Do we have anything else? We're we're, we're at our hour mark. Yeah, we, well, we're going beyond now. Going beyond. We're at one oh, hour one. Do we have any more anything else about this movie? No, I just wrap it up. Say it's a fun. I enjoyed it. It's a fun movie. I would go see it. You know. I agree. After a summer of me, like even though I like like Civil War and stuff. But after a summer of mostly mediocre blockbusters, even civil, even civil war to a certain extent, it's good to have something different that's not like a superhero or a bunch of CG. It was nice to have something a little more real and tangible and a little different that you don't see. We don't see many westerns, so it's good to have that every once in a while. I wish we would. I wish we need more yeah. westerns. Yeah, I agree. Oh, good westerns. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully there's some good westerns. Uh, all right, uh, as Abe mentioned. He's going to be a guest on the Jack Random Show this week. Yes. And uh, you can hear that over at thesupernauts.com. That is thesupernauts.com. Yeah, well, th- th- that's assuming I can't convince these chumps to live stream. There might be a special live stream tomorrow on the Movies and Stuff channel. We will be reviewing The Get Down. Yes. Exactly produced by Baz Lerner. No, he did more than executively produce it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got did. his stench all over it. That sticky, saccharine, sugary fingerprints all over it go ahead we also have uh veggie lasagna is still on hiatus but uh they are doing a podcast called five quadrant yes and they just debuted their first episode uh yesterday and they also posted it here for people to listen to mm-hmm so uh, check that out as well. Abe and I will be back next Tuesday. We are going to talk about The Devil's Rejects. Uh, interview with actor Sid Haig, who played uh, an awesome clown in that movie. There's a lot of clowns apparently running around trying to scare people. Um, There's one up here. And they can all go fuck themselves. <laughs> this is the only scary clown that we care about is Sid Haig in Devil's Rejects. So we're going to talk about that. We're kicking off our October, our Shocktober talking about all horror movie theme stuff throughout the month. So that kicks off next week. We'll have uh, some you know, top ten lists. We'll have some other horror interviews and movies and things of that nature. On uh, Halloween day or the day after Halloween, 
uh, we're going to have like a big Halloween horror special. So we're going to have like a round table there and we're just going to talk about all things Halloween. So that's kind of the final build up to it. Uh, talk about our favorite Halloween movies and favorite music for this time of year, uh, Halloween specials, things like that. Mm. So it, sh- it should be really, really fun. Make sure to like this video. Please subscribe to us uh, at the Movies and Stuff YouTube channel. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Movies and Stuff Show, where Mr. Marty over here tweets uh, every single day. So make sure you do that. If you listen to us on SoundCloud, if you listen to us on iTunes, please like and subscribe there. Guys, always a blast. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. My pleasure. Later.